Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Reichley. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show, On the Mark. You deep-voiced man failed to mention one key character, and that would be Lynn Hall on the other side of the glass, oh. our fabulous producer. Mm-hmm. She makes the other, uh, the other guys look... Small by Big Lynn Hall is driving us today. She, she sets a high bar. She is the straw that serves the drink. <laughs> Not today. the highball, a high bar. Yes. All right. On the mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll free line will be open shortly, but not just yet. Uh, <laughs> you'll call 1 800 795 9565. When the time comes, you can email us at on the mark at wkok.com and text us at 70236. Include the keyword. OTM. You can email us uh, in between or in advance if you wish to now and text us at 70236 with the keyword OTM if you would like to pass on uh, some information uh, for us. In the studio with us now, we're glad to say that Ted Deptula is back in our studios. We promised to talk to him about this. I call it an open house. Uh, I guess it's a public event. What's the official name for this uh, gig tomorrow? It's a public event for people to come out and see the CSVT project. I never heard of such a thing. Tell me how unusual this is. You've been at this for 20-some years. How rare is this that we get to see a road like this? Yeah, it's uh, a pretty unique thing uh, to be able to get out on a job um, before it's open to traffic. Uh, Most of the times there's traffic on a project, so since this is a brand new road and a brand new bridge without traffic on it, we thought we'd uh, provide the uh, the community an event to uh, to see it firsthand up and close. And I'm going to be parking on the highway, I assume, or will be a, there'll be some parking area before. The way uh, you'll get to the event is you'll come up uh, Ridge Road, and PennDOT will get you onto the project at one of the uh, ramps. And we have uh, a staff uh, um, ready to park you at a, uh, as close to the bridge as we possibly can and get you out safely. So we'll have parking attendants, and, uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great event. I'll be able to walk all the way to 15? Um, not quite <laughs> to 15, but you'll be pretty close. Well, yeah, uh, you're almost there. There's not much shoreline to 15. I right. remember that. Uh, walking's going to be difficult. It's uh, supposed to be in the 80s. Um, so uh, I wouldn't recommend, uh, unless you're in pretty good shape, to walk that far because it's about a six and a half or seven mile round trip. Um, just walking from where we're parking you to the bridge is almost a mile, depending on how many vehicles there are and where you park. And then remember, the bridge is almost a mile long. So right there's two miles. So depends on how far you want to walk. Well, if you're ever going to catch a breeze, it's going to be up there. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Might be a warm breeze on Saturday. All right. Well, Ted Deptula is a PennDOT assistant construction engineer, and he has been working for the better part of a decade to make sure that this bridge got built, opened up next month when it is. Uh, I know that it's not 
one of those big ribbon cuttings where thousands of people can go. But some of the uh, neckties and suits from PennDOT will be at a ribbon cutting next month. When is that? Well, the ribbon cutting's coming up. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be announced on Monday, especially to the media. Um, it'll be sometime... Uh, uh, probably next week where we'll actually have the ribbon cutting. Um, okay. Opening it to traffic will be early July, though. Okay, so early July opening is what I want to look for, forward mm-hmm. to. The bridge access and the ramping and the pavement just really doesn't lend itself to having a huge public crowd out there, so you're going to do this with uh, just some of the uh, eggheads that have worked on this, and eggheads a compliment. That means super smart people that work on projects and endeavors around here, just so you know, not <laughs> insulting anybody. So this, uh, are you okay, buddy? Uh, I was thinking of some scrambled eggheads. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that working on this that should not have, Harrisburg. Uh, this should, is my yeah, tour. Should have started uh, back in the eighties, but uh, we are we are here in this century. And uh, Ted, when did you when did you start working on this? Uh, I started uh, probably around twenty. 13, 14 with some of the design, uh, the constructability aspects with design. Uh, the project actually started uh, construction in the fall of 2015. So that's what's almost seven years now that I've been on the project uh, where we're actually doing some construction work. And there's something called the Seelands Grove Bypass from the 70s that was going to connect to now the southern section that was connect to the northern section that we're now opening up. And somewhere in the early 90s, I believe the price tag was $460 million. Uh, yeah, I don't recall what the price tag was, but uh, it keeps going up and up like everything else. All right, so yeah, we're up to I think nine hundred million is, yes. is the number that I've heard lately. So uh, this uh, back to this open house on tomorrow, or op- a public event. I mm-hmm. guess you're calling open house. I'm calling it um, pretty pretty unique opportunity. What am I going to see? What am I going to be on? What's phenomenal about this? If you were leading a, wa- a short walking tour, what would you be talking about? Okay, so, well, let me get you up onto the event. Like I said, you'll be entering the project via Ridge Road. Uh, We'll have staff there to collect the waivers. There are some waivers on uh, csvt.com to speed things up if you want to print one out, sign it, and you'll just have to hand it in when when you arrive on the ramp. Uh, You'll drive through the project a little bit, turn around and drive back on the northbound side to where we're going to be parking. And uh, we have plenty of staff all over the project. Uh, they're there to help answer any kind of questions you have or point anything out for you. Um, they'll be easily identified. They'll have hard hats and vests on. Um, but we'll also have some displays up. Uh, the displays uh, will be some plans or some overviews from our designers of both the northern section as well as uh, some things for the southern section that's just getting underway. And we'll also have some show and tell uh, with some materials. We'll show you what the uh, pavement's made of, uh, some other uh, items that we have that we can uh, show you, show the public uh, what what the project is made of. well, and I know we, we got a chance to see some of the construction. During the construction, you're taking core samples and drilling down, so we'll see some of that. Well, a lot of that stuff is buried right now. Oh, okay. But we'll try to, we'll try to have uh, as many 
things that you can actually physically see and touch as possible. And one of the things you showed us when we, we got a tour of the construction site was that you uh, pour concrete on the bridge. You know, they make it at uh, central builders around here, ship it up there, and some it's either pumped up or, or uh, transported up. And much of it goes on the surface of the bridge with the, uh, what's that device that spans across the bridge? The name of it escapes uh, me. The uh, Bidwell or the deck Bidwell. paver. Yeah, the Bidwell. Yeah. Okay, so the Bidwell puts it down. But then you take some of that concrete and you set it aside. Tell me about that, why you're setting some of that concrete aside. Sure. We uh, we take concrete cylinders, let it cure for a certain amount of time, and we test it at various times to make that sure that the concrete is strong enough. And um, although we don't have, we, we have something similar to a cylinder, we do have some cores of the pavement um, because we had different products for the pavement. We have uh, a cement tree to permeable base. We have concrete and we have two different types of uh, asphalt. So we have concrete, or we have cores of that that you can actually see. You can see the different materials, the aggregates that are in there. So that's pretty interesting for uh, people who come out to the come out to the event. You'll be wearing your white ha- hard hat oh, t- yes. tomorrow. Okay, yeah, you guys have to stay in character all the time, yeah. so to speak. But uh, and I'll be able to walk out to the middle of the bridge or bike out is what I'm going to do. Yes, and. Uh, Lean over the parapet a tiny bit to see below. Sure, it's okay. uh, it's pretty safe to look out at the river and see what's below. Um, I definitely recommend biking if you want to see as much of the project as possible. Um, a a seven-mile round trip for a, a leisurely bike ride should take you a little bit less than an hour. Okay. Um, there are also people that were saying that they wanted to run, and uh, you know, for seven miles, uh, you know, that take that'll take a little bit more than an hour, but to walk the entire seven miles in eighty-degree weather and, and see anything, that's going to take a a long time. But if you walk, if you're going to walk, I recommend walking out to the bridge, get at least halfway out there, and then turning around and coming Normal back. Normal sneakers will be okay. Yeah, sneakers will be fine. No, Mark runs an eight-minute mile, so I guess you could, eight minute mile. You could probably do it in, yeah, in, in the truck. Uh, you don't <laughs> recommend Mark bringing his fishing rod, right? <laughs> nah, you'll probably run out of uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is back on a bridge. <laughs> you're going to pull a, pull a smallmouth bass up a few hundred feet. But how far is it at the deepest part down to the river? Well, the piers were 180 feet high, so oh depending on how deep the river is right now, it's it's pretty hot. It's going to be 90, so the fish will be fried before you get them up uh, <laughs> yeah. onto the parapet. Yeah, that's not going to be allowed. Some bridges have big piles of fencing on them now to keep people from throwing stuff and jumping off and that kind of thing. This does not, at least out in the middle of the river. Correct. Um, there's... Uh, uh, rules and regulations of when we put those uh, fences up, and this didn't really meet it. Um, typically, we put that up where uh, there's a, uh, an, ac- an accessible road over another road, and that'll prevent people from throwing things down below. So since there's boaters below um, and it's a limited access highway, there shouldn't be any pedestrians up on that bridge. Right. So any pedestrian you see any times off limits. Correct. What, what is the, the, the actual bridge span compared to the actual bridge span over water? Is that almost 50-50, the amount of water and the amount of over... Because, you know, you go across Ridge Road for a bit, and, of course, uh, in Winfield, you have a span across the farmer field. It's probably uh, not quite 50-50. It's probably um, a third over the river, 
maybe a little bit more than a third over the river. Okay. And then the rest is over uh, 147. It's over the railroad tracks on the uh, east side. So majority of this bridge is is over land land than it is over the river. Yeah. (laughs) you got to get up pretty early in the morning to ask Ted a question about this bridge. He doesn't know the exact answer. (laughs) No, I remember being over at the construction sites a couple times and, and, and of course, being on construction sites. But interesting about this bridge span, though, is it starts spanning off of 15. I mean, you you almost start your span there, but the farmer's field and the Winfield campground and Mm -hmm. those areas. But then when you get across the river, you do have a span... They're around where uh, Mertz's run a gun, a rod and gun used to be, and you come back around uh, where the uh, winery, you know, there's a larger span of this bridge than people think it's just a bridge over water. Yeah. Or over troubled water, Mark. A little sportsman shop, if you yeah. would. Oh, I'm sorry, a little sportsman shop now. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a big operation. Formerly known as Merch's Rocket Gun. Well, yeah, back in the day. Okay, uh, just a few sentences. Uh, after July, when the northern section is open, there'll still be construction on that bypass, so to speak. Right. We have to put uh, traffic up on the new road that's constructed right now so that we can construct roughly a mile of the southbound lanes, and that's basically from 405 up to the existing four lanes of Route 147. So the contractor will be very busy from July until October, November, until that section of roadway is completed. I can see you at July standing there. Come on, chop, chop. Yeah. <laughs> keep, keep on going there. But All pretty, right. Pretty good weather for the most part during the last four or five construction. I mean, I mean, you got there wasn't any major, major catastrophes. A little high water. Not uh, weather-wise. Year, but uh, weather-wise. Pandemic-wise, that's a different story. Well, but yeah, <laughs> I was going to say you had you had some things. I mean, when you think of construction yeah. project and you think of delays, what could happen? Uh, pandemic usually doesn't come into that mix. But uh, but for the most part, these construction seasons, you were able to get uh, decent weather, and uh, the contractors uh, seem to get through. We hate answering questions like that in construction <laughs> because we don't want to jinx ourselves. We still have a couple months to go, so please, Ben. And don't uh, uh, don't jinx us, uh, but yeah, overall, uh, uh, we've been able, able to overcome uh, any kind of weather event that we've had, and but we and still got, have and a couple ex- months to go. And you got an experienced contractor too. Trumbull has done this once or twice. Well, uh, the current contractor is New Enterprise. New Enterprise so too, we, right there. Yeah, and then, yeah, the Trumbull folks. But there was a there was a lot of construction going on, and and for the most part, pan- take the pandemic out, and and you had uh, hey, we're going to have a northern section of the central Susquehanna Valley Thruway. I mean, that's a positive. Yes. Yeah. Do you have time lapse of the bridge going up by chance? Did you do that? Um, we did that, and it's such a long project. We're still working on the um, uh, getting the time lapse to look Okay. Mm. okay. So we'll, we'll we get, are we'll working look at that on that. That's ready. pretty close. All right. In Southern Section, any sentences to say about that? We know that we're inching forward on that as well. Yeah. Construction actually started in May, the middle of May. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, prep work that needs to be done before they actually do physical work. So they cut a few trees. Um, they're out there surveying from one end to the other end, so uh, the contractor uh, can determine where they can work and where they have to stay out of. Um, come August, they should be getting busier after after August, but uh, 
Yeah, it's um, so there's you've seen a little bit of work, but not a whole lot right they'll, now. They'll do some work in the winter. Yes, uh, they'll okay. they'll work uh, all through the winter, barring any weather catastrophes. Yeah, hopefully, uh, <laughs> looking forward to a uh, couple roundabouts around the uh, oh, that's right, App Road Airport Road area. That should be interesting. Yeah, the roundabouts probably won't get constructed till next year. Okay. Um, there's uh, some utility work that needs to be completed before we can work in that area. No, they are taking some trees down. If you uh, look north as you're coming up Airport Road, you can see some work going. But it's a, it's a process. But you know what's interesting about construction? People notice a little bit here and there. A couple months later, then all of a sudden, six months later, like, Jesus, this road's really getting built. And yeah. that's a positive. Yeah. It's really happening. They, they cut about... 20 acres of the roughly 200 acres that have to be cut. Um, and they cut them at some strategic locations uh, just right around Attic Road, also around uh, 11th Avenue, and up at Granger's Road. They're, they cut just a couple acres there. What do they do with the wood? Is it available? It's uh, it's up to the contractor to dispose of it properly. Um, uh Right now, all they did was just cut the trees. They haven't even cleared the trees yet. So, um, some contractors have plans for it. Uh, s- some make available with this amount of trees. I'm sure that the contractor has plans for it. All right. Well, thank you uh, so much for all you're doing. Anything you want to add that maybe we didn't ask you? You certainly come prepared for these, so you're ready to talk about certain things. A few things about tomorrow. Uh, we will have uh, restrooms available, but uh, we ask people, because of the weather, to bring your own water. It is going to be hot out, and we don't want to have any uh, any events that we're not expecting. We do have some emergency responders available. There'll be a few uh, uh, police troopers up there as well as uh, an ambulance. Um, But we still want everybody to be safe and uh, secure. And just a reminder, this is still an active project. Um, There is still some work going on. The contractor won't be working on Saturday, but there are some hazards. So, uh, you know, just use some good common sense. So does... The contractor actually still owns this road. That's correct. Okay, so PennDOT has not taken ownership yet. Well, I mean, you're within days, but correct. Uh, okay. Yep. Well, and that's plus for the contractor to let uh, you guys do this and organize it and let the public see that because I'm sure the contractor's uh, legal department was probably spinning around going, we want to do what? When? Well, the contractors, both uh, New Enterprise and Trumbull, who has the southern section, mm-hmm. um, they've been very cooperative mm-hmm. with this, uh, especially with these events. No, I think it's and, great, but but you right. know what happened when it went to legal to say you're going to let people walk on a road that we haven't turned over yet, but I think it's, and, and yeah. tomorrow should be maybe a little warmer, but uh, tomorrow should be an excellent day for folks to get out and see it, and the visuals from that bridge looking north mm-hmm. and south yeah. will be tremendous, I'm sure. Mark, we'll see pictures of those in the yeah. near future. You can see Berwick from there. I was going to say, bring your cameras, because there are some really nice views from up there. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for all you're doing, too, and being so open and, and helpful to reporters and media and the public. I know you answer people's questions, too, and uh, got us through Northumberland successfully, so that was fantastic. And uh, you're not doing Bloomsburg, but we know that there's some smart folks thinking of these detours. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, I, I have to hand it to you guys to do Route 11 in Bloomsburg and half widths is, uh, I just think, a super challenge, but yours definitely rising up to that. Northumberland so. was a challenge.
Yeah. Right. Thank you so much. Sure. Thanks for having me. Ted Deptulin, Assistant Construction Engineer at uh, PennDOT District 3.0. We'll be back with a short segment of Open Phones when we return. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right, we've got a brief segment of open phones before we get to the top of the hour. So we can talk about if somebody wants to be a speedy dialer and get through this morning. Uh, can talk about the uh, January 6th committee yesterday, talking about Congressman Perry a little bit. One of the uh, nice ladies who was working in the administration says Perry did want a um, pardon in advance, but uh, <laughs> he says, nope, she's lying. So it's a he said, she said, I guess. And told it is. Isn't that a, a standard uh, running joke that if a politician opens his mouth, there's well, a 99% chance? Who's the politician? Oh, they Perry's might be. the politician. Well, well no, yeah. I don't mean Perry. I mean a politician in general. There's a, there's a 90% chance that uh, the truth is not coming out. Isn't that the standard running joke? In Washington and or Harrisburg, Mark? Mm, yep, yep, absolutely. Well, um, let's see. If somebody, we got a speedy dialer opportunity here, one of those rare opportunities, 1-800-795-9565. Okay, so we got two callers coming in, so yeah, that'll take care we'll of that. that. But interesting with Ted Deptool uh, on, the, on the bypass, hopefully people get out tomorrow and uh, get to see that. But uh, people have to realize that bypass starts below Seals Grove, mm-hmm. and now we'll finish up above... Uh, 180 up uh, north of uh, Northumberland, up 147. This northern section will be completed, tie into 15 on the Winfield side. And again, when we say Winfield Bridge, that's not the Susquehanna River Bridge. That that bridge is 60% over land and 40% uh, over uh, the river. So uh, interesting, interesting project. Give Eric two minutes. Uh, Eric from Port Traverton, two minutes. Uh, yeah, good morning. Just to tie in uh, the new... Uh-oh. Oh, we lost him. I wonder what happened. Uh, Stan, and you'll have to go ahead. We'll put Eric on. We are going to have open phones after 9.30 this morning again, so we'll go back to open phones. Sorry about that, Eric. Did he say uh-oh, or was that us? I'm sitting here listening. That was me. Oh, oh, that was Stan. It switched to him. Okay. All right, Stan, go right ahead. Sorry, Eric, but now Stan gets two minutes. Uh, yeah, we're what? Oh, yeah, so the Senate, I guess, passed their, their gun controller they're, I, they call it gun safety, whatever they were calling it down there. You know, Bill, so now it's going to the House, from my understanding. So, what, we pass it without anybody being able to read the whole thing, because that's what it seems like happened. I mean, it came out last, 
you know, a couple days ago. Should never they came happen. to their agreement in secret. And, but yeah. that should never happen with any legislation. There, I believe, personally, there should be a 48-hour waiting period unless it's a world disaster. An asteroid's going to hit, and they have to pass the bill within six hours <laughs> to save the world. That's different. But there should be a 40-hour hold and let the public see the legislation and get in and see the... Uh, uh, sausage uh, the making and, and, and read the details and it should be uh, everybody should have a chance to look at it over a period of time well actually there was in my understanding there's no hearings on it and absolutely zero hearings and probably very little debate in the Senate so you know it's one of those things we'll have to pass it so we could see what's in it type of thing remember Pelosi and uh, <laughs> yeah, we did that H-H-H. once before one of the most elitist statements a politician can make Republican or Democrat was that statement she made yeah and I, I you know it's gonna it's gonna come back to bite somebody in the rear and it's it, it, it should Every, everybody that voted for it should be voted out of office in my opinion I know Toomey can't be voted out of office because he's retiring so yeah, you know, he's just a turncoat, and, you know, you know well, well, all the, Stan, all the Republicans exactly, did, didn't do us anybody any favors. But what what exactly do you think this bill's doing that, that it shouldn't be doing? Well, I mean, they're, 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 they're enhanced background checks. They haven't explained exactly what that is for the, you know, people 18 to 21 years old. They haven't explained that. Just going to enhance it. Well, how are they going to enhance it? They're going to open up the juvie records for the you know the people uh, that do the background uh, checks. Juvenile records will be available to the picks and nicks, and so will mental health records for juveniles. So where does HIPAA come in there? Not a factor. Okay, not a factor. Well, the the mental health records are that, and that comes under HIPAA too. So that needs to be exposed, fully exposed, because a lot of these problems are because of that. They're not, you know, these young kids are getting the stuff, whether that have committed crimes. In, the, in their youth, some of them heinous crimes. And then once they become of age, it those kind of go away. Well, they should never go away, in my opinion. Well, my I don't under, care how young and dumb they were. My understanding is that it is the lack of understanding the details and the implementation. And one thing I'm very concerned of in any legislation is when bureaucrats are in control of the legislation, the details, the implementation, then we seem to have some problems. All right, All right have a good one. Yep, Stan, we'll have open phones at 9.30. We'll let you and Eric back on the air. I don't know what buttons I'm pushing, but I'm not pushing the right one, so we'll get that squared away. You are listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunday, WKOK News Time now, 9 a.m. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Reichley. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show, On the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Ben is directly across from me. Fine local businessman. You'll find out in a half an hour. He's a conservative, so he'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll talk about his opinions. Uh, I, I'm the smallest ice cube in this drink here with you <laughs> right. media moguls here. Right. Yep. You got, we got real legacy broadcasters here. I put I put that oh, in their introductions. You, 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 three of us, three in the studio and one on the 
one on the phone. So, one on the so line, I'm going to sit so. back and uh, you can turn my mic down. I, I I can't add anything more to this party. On the mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Always do please check them out at sunburymotors.com. As this half hour progresses, as we do our remembrance of Hurricane Agnes, you can call us one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. You can email us at on the market or text us at seven zero two three six. Include the keyword OTM. To my immediate left is Tom Morgan. He's a radio man, broadcast legacy man. He's been in the business for 30-plus, would we say? 45. 45. Yeah, Holy 45 smokes. 45 years. Jeez. Still yeah. able to sit up and take nourishment, and he is a <laughs> uh, uh, 94KX personality around here and is one of the decision makers that helps keep that station so popular. Uh, lived in Wilkes-Barre in 1972, so you were, what, about uh, 9 or 10 years old at the uh, time? I was, yeah, I was 12. 12, Just okay. about that teenage threshold there. Okay. So we're going to talk about uh, uh, what happened when what he calls a tidal wave came through town. Also in the studio, John Moore is here. You've seen his byline in uh, dozens of history books around here and in the Daily Item over the decades. It worked for Dow Jones for a time and is uh, just a fabulous rememberer. And uh, he's walking tall today because he was prominently figured uh, in the WVIA uh, history of Agnes last evening. Just a ridiculously fantastic documentary that they do up there. It is completely up to their standards. And so um, I was really impressed and brought his remembrances to that. So thank you, sir. Thanks for all that. And thanks for coming in. Hi, Mark. How are you? Am I on? <laughs> yep, you were on. <laughs> Great. <all right. laughs> are you okay, buddy? Yeah, he's, he's, uh, his well, agent didn't tell him he's on yet. Well, he's John so famous. John and I did a show before the show started. We talked about uh, enough things to get things moving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I you turned off to... your mic if you want to come back. Oh, on. <laughs> 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 all right. Ah, ah. And on the news line with us now, boy, holy smokes, talk about legacy. Than Mitchell's here, lives in Winfield, lives in the floodplain. So uh, if you tell him about the flood mud smell, he knows all about it. Uh, radio man, legacy broadcaster, and uh, owner about this time, exactly 50 years ago, rode a helicopter from Sunbury up to the Blue Hill Studios, where we're at now, to transmit directly from the transmitter room. So, Than, thanks for calling in today. Hey, good morning. Uh, I would just like to say, wow, what a bunch of people you got there, and the flood coverage is amazing, both on radio and television. I do have a bone to pick with your guy from uh, NDOT who said some bridges we make it so you can't throw stuff off because there are cars down there, but here there are only boats. Wait a minute. I'm one of those boats. Well, yeah, that would it'd be hard to hit a boat. But in any event, yeah, let's move on from that. Hi, John. Hi, Hi Than. Hi, Than. Great to hear you. Good to hear you guys. All right. Well, let's start out with let's set the scene. And I noticed they did do this a little bit last evening, John. Uh, people watched what was Hurricane Agnes start in Mexico and go off the coast. And normal people said, we dodged that one. Right. But, but and, then what happened? And when Agnes got up over Georgia, it blew out. And the... And the weather service announced that it was dead, mm-hmm. that it was breaking up, <laughs> and then it fooled everybody, regrouped, 
and came up the coast and went inland and went right over the headwaters of the Susquehanna River and then it stayed there for days and days. Nobody anticipated that. I remember waking up on Thursday morning on the... the, uh, 22nd, and it was raining like crazy. And I went out to Hamilton because there was a report of a drowning. The fire police turned me back. I went back to the paper. The streets were... So you were working for the Daily Item at this moment. I was working for the Daily Item as a reporter at that time. And we lived on 5th Street in... I'm sorry, Greeno Street, near 5th Street in Sunbury. And the the water was covering the street it was maybe an inch deep and i went in my daily work involved calling the weather service in harrisburg and talking to a meteorologist live and getting the forecast for the afternoon paper so i had a contact and i called the weather service at about nine o'clock on thursday morning and i asked the guy flat out are we gonna have a flood oh no he said uh, we're having some heavy rain, but the tropical storm is going to pass over and go over off toward New England. And Than, tell us about the evolution at WKOK. At that time, you were at the Fort Augusta Studios, and uh, you're announcing, as everybody was asked to, that this was out to sea and that was that. Take us from that calm to the catastrophe. Walk us up through that. Well, uh, John, uh, interesting that you mentioned Thursday morning, uh, because I suppose that was for everybody, but that's when my time uh, entered in. Why I wasn't at the station and at that time of the day, I'm not sure. I think I had gone home from a morning shift, and they called me back in the afternoon and said, you better come in, we're going to have a flood. Now, I, I apparently somebody there thought we were going to flood, so I drove in, and because of Sunbury's situation with the wall, I parked up on 8th Street, I believe, with my car, walked down, caught the railroad track, walked to the station. So my car was safe through the whole thing, if the wall had come down, which fortunately it didn't. But uh, I walked into the station, and they were making public service announcements Constantly, It was, uh, Mrs. Jones says to her husband, George, don't worry, I'm safe, I made it to high ground. At that point, John, uh, you made it sound like the flood didn't start till the next day. Is my memory messed up? Or no, <laughs> not at all, because we had two types of flooding. One was from the rain, and it came down off the hill and the stream so we flooded inside the wall and that was that was pretty heavy duty um by seven o'clock on on thursday morning uh shimokin creek was way up and the sunbury animal hospital uh was cut off and, and the underpass at hamilton was cut off and that's where that's where a man drowned out of, he was trying to save somebody, and and uh, he ran into trouble himself. Um, no, we had a lot of, but then the river began to misbehave. All right, and the river took longer. Then made reference to the fact that on or about this Thursday, uh, the announcing starts. Here is what some of it sounded like. Um, and please uh, take that very seriously because we do have. Uh, situation in the city of Sunbury and 
happens by your back door might be running through your back door at any time. Um, and please uh, take that very seriously because we do have a situation in the city of Sunbury and in the surrounding area, Danville, Milton, Lewisburg, Shimokin, Sealands Grove, Northumberland, and all of the surrounding towns of uh, considerable flooding in the lowlands. At this point, the river is expected to crest tomorrow evening at 28 feet. At 7 o'clock tomorrow evening, uh, flood stage in Sunbury is 24 feet. We'd like to point out, though, that th that does not take into account the flood wall, which is built uh, specifically in hall at Susquehanna University. Food is available at the Sharon Lutheran Church in Sealands Grove. A shuttle bus will be running between these two locations. There's need for cots and blankets at the Shikolemi Junior High School on Fairmount Avenue. And there's housing available at 206 North 11th Street in Sunbury. Also, the Sound of the Gospel Church in Crotzerville has room, St. Michael's Church in Sunbury, the home of Mr. Schaefer at 240 Catawissa Avenue in Sunbury, also at 1245 Highland Avenue in Sunbury, and the East End Hose Company of Sunbury. All right, so that's just a short excerpt. Uh, later on in that broadcast, it gets into this, uh, as Than mentioned, this idea that you are uh, announcing individual announcements for people, saying that uh, if you are looking for uh, Aunt Mabel, <laughs> she is in Sealands Grove with your cousin, and that that was the way that we communicated then. So Tom Morgan's uh, a pretty decent 12-year-old at the time, play, <laughs> played Little League Baseball and behaved occasionally uh, in... Uh, decent guy now. <laughs> right. Uh, up in Wilkesbury proper, or 44, or where um, are you here? South side. South side of Wilkesbury, which um, right in the neighborhood, the uh, Charles Street levee gave away, and that's what caused uh, severe damage to the city. That was just a few blocks away from my house, and my house was destroyed as well. So we got out of there um, Friday morning by police siren um, and bullhorns on top of police cars saying evacuate. So we just grabbed um, what we had and um, left. And my mom and dad and my brothers and sisters and I all packing into the uh, family station wagon. One thing I remember is my dad wanted to leave the dog behind because he said there will be looting. We didn't know what looting was, but he said in a 35 flood, we just had basement full and then before they could let you back into the city, there were looters. And so he said he put the laundry basket from the basement on the kitchen table and he said, we'll keep the dog here. And all I remember is leaving the house and looking at my little brother crying. And I said to my dad, I said, Pop, we, we got to, this might be worse, Pop. We got to take the dog. And uh, he said, okay. And 24 hours later, we found out we didn't even have a house anymore. How did you find out your house wasn't just flooded, but gone? Down to the foundation, wiped out with a bunch of other homes that were uh, yeah. swept away. We were watching WBRE TV coverage. And at the time, they, you know, they didn't have the micro waveable units in the digital uh, audio and video, they had cameramen standing in a bass boat shooting film, and then they would have to rush the film back to the station and process it. So um, I'm watching TV um, because I was a broadcast nut. I knew I wanted to be in TV and radio. And I'm watching it, and the boat is going down my street and my house isn't there. And so um, the boat is going over the top of traffic lights and stuff like that. And I saw St. John's Lutheran um, steeple, and as he panned to the right, there was nothing there. So I called for my dad, and my dad comes in the room, and he looks at it, and he says, where's our house? 
And that was a real emotional time. It was gone. In honor about this time, John Moore goes down to the fiber dam. What led you to start to just take pictures? And you took a picture that has been circulated around the world as the quintessential flood control photo. Jane and I and our two kids were living in St. Luke's Lutheran Church. I was sleeping on the basement. Evacuated to there. Evacuated from from the flat, yes. Six o'clock Saturday morning, Mike Kane, who was the regional editor, uh, came by in his little white uh, European car and uh, picked me up. I grabbed my camera, and we decided before we went to the office, we're going to go along Front Street and just check out the wall, see what's going on. First stop, the Fabra Dam. And we pulled up, and this is just a tiny little car, and so you're very low, and I look out the window, and I, and the, the wall is pretty high, about 11 feet over, over the street level, and, and the waves are lapping over the mm. wall. And I remember thinking, oh my God, if that wall breaks, we're dead. Mm. And so we parked and got out, and we went up the levee. Not We didn't climb up the steps to the wall, but went up the levee where we could look at where the wall joined the levee. And we, there were a few sandbags. I have the picture in front of me. I see about five or six sandbags right at the joint. On the top and then, of the yeah, oh, okay. And then the water is right on top of the wall. And you can see where it's where it's really lapping over. There's the pumping station, and then on the far right, yeah, there's the street way down below, and there are houses. And the street looks like it's probably wet, but it's but it's dry, it's drivable. And then if you look very carefully, way back in the distance on the left, you can see what was probably the old Reading Railroad Bridge. Yeah. But it's but it's this this high. Go ahead. The high water and then the absence of water. All right. We're going to take a quick break here. And uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about what Than is doing in the studio at that time and and uh, the days afterward and then the conversations we're having today that involve flood control and insurance and, and this uh, anniversary. So we'll continue here on WDKOK's On the Mark. We're doing a remembrance of Hurricane Agnes. You heard an excerpt of WDKOK's broadcast, and this is an opportunity. Uh, after we uh, do about 10 more minutes with our guests, we'll open up the phones and let folks weigh in and during a session of open phones as well on this topic. We will be right back. No, no, no. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. 
Welcome back to the KOK's Telephone Talk Show. We're doing a remembrance of Agnes. we got Than Mitchell on the line, radio man, a legacy broadcaster here for WDKOK, and talking about re- re- reflections on Agnes. John Moore's here, a newspaper man, career man, worked on the Daily Item at the time. Tom Morgan's here and uh, was just 12 at the time, but uh, saw on TV that his house was gone. Than, at this point, you're now into the Friday and Saturday time. Explain uh, the radio station is doing all kinds of emergency announcement crests and flood information for the entire regional community. And you're taking phone calls. Explain what you're doing for folks. You know, recount how this goes that you're doing personal messages that are important for folks. Well, uh, actually, it started down at the studio, as you said, which is now the Fort Hunter Museum. And uh, we were answering the phones, and some of us were on the air reading these messages and then the line the phone line at that time that's the way they did it the phone line went out between the studio and our uh transmitter up on mile hill so we were done there we had no signal well i think it was bob spangler yes it was was up on the hill and he put on a music tape He had one music tape, reel-to-reel, and he would play that, and then he would make some of the announcements that we could get through to him. So they got a helicopter, uh, a guy who had flown in Vietnam and a helicopter, and they told me I was going to go in the helicopter. By the way, I hate flying. I don't trust the helicopter. And I went over to what they call the International Airport at Northumberland, which was the ball field, and this guy picked me up and took me over, and I said, you know, there are wires everywhere holding up those towers. How are you going to land? And the wind is blowing sideways. It was one of the helicopters with no doors, so the wind was blowing straight through, I had a poncho on that was going flap out the open door, and he said, I'll do it. And I guess all that training in Vietnam helped because he made it to the ground. I ran into the studio and right away had a fistful of those announcements, the ones that we couldn't get to down at the station after the phone line gave up on us. I had a fistful of those, so I went on the air, plugged in a microphone, absolutely no controls. You either were plugged in or unplugged. And I read those kind of things for the next uh, three days. But The other thing we had up on the mountains, and we lost electricity, the Army Corps of Engineers brought in a a generator, and so we were back on the air, and it turned out that Sealands Grove in Northumberland, some emergency management people, if I remember correctly, couldn't talk to each other because their radios weren't powerful enough to climb the mountain down the other side. So they would call up on the hill. Bob Spangler and I would take the message, and then we'd announce it for the other side of the hill. And uh, those things went on. It was madhouse all the time. Well, here's another, here's another excerpt of that. 
Keep calling the Mighty KO. We'll be back in touch, hopefully, very soon with uh, more flood control information. And for now, this is Bob Spangler along with Mark Benford, and we'll go back to more music. All right, so that's, yeah, Bob Spangler identified himself. Ben? But Than, also, too, you've told me over the years, and, and uh, you know, WKOK powers down in the evening, but didn't you get permission from somewhere that uh, WKOK stayed on full power for four or five days in a row? Hi there, Ben. How are you doing? I haven't Good. talked to you for a long time. And you're still uh, wrong, Ben, just in case you're curious. <laughs> okay, it was only three days. But anyway, but, but but KOK never powered down, so the station was on full strength all through this uh, all through this disaster. If I remember correctly, Ben, the uh, people in Florida were able to hear the radio station, and we got messages from Florida. There were obviously no s- smartphones emails or anything like that but we got a lot of indications from florida that for some reason they had the station full blast through the night and they were captivated by the uh the whole thing that was going on and uh so yeah we were we were very very loud (laughs) during that flood uh the, a couple of things. Oh, it's getting to be too late. Are we? Are do we have a time limitation here? You have another minute. <laughs> okay, got to tell you two stories. One of them is that one good friend of mine worked at the station with me while we were down in uh, uh, on Front Street before I went up on the hill. He was told, "Please take the station jeep down. Talk to Charlie Cox." who's filling sandbags down at uh, uh, the lower end of 4th Street, so or uh, Front Street. And so he, our employee went down, and while he was sitting there, to go, reference back to John, a wave lapped over the wall as he was sitting under it with the Jeep. And he, they, uh, somebody said, get that car out of here. He jumped back in and twisted the key off so it wouldn't start, and so it sat there. Oh, my gosh. And, John, when you were down at Front Street, you see these sandbags that the volunteers had filled earlier. Right. And at one point, up by Chickalemi Avenue and North Front Street was a sandbag crew. And on Saturday, these guys had, had a piece of rope. And they calibrated that into inches. They made their own ruler, and they hung it over the side. All the gauges in the river were topped. And at supper on Saturday night, this one fella from the sandbag crew came in with, with his guys for, for a meal. Hey, Bob, I said, what time did the river start to go? He said that between noontime and 1 p.m., according to their calibrated rope, the water dropped an inch. So a, re- a receding started, it started to, to recede by one o'clock, and by six o'clock, it was down about six inches. Yep. Wow! 
And um, Tom, you have in your office a Little League jersey in a uh, glass case, and that is because? Yeah, uh, people come into my office and they know I'm a Red Sox fan, and they see this jersey, and it's red and white, and it's number nine, Ted Williams. You know, and they say, hey, that's a cool Little League jersey. And they think that I just have it hanging up with Boston memorabilia. But the truth is, when we were evacuated, that was the shirt that was on my back. Because I thought I was still going to play a game that day. So I had my Little League hat, my Little League shirt, and I don't even think I left with the rest of my uniform. We were in such a hurry. And the house gets destroyed. We We need help from the Red Cross for weeks and weeks. We end up living in a trailer on the property. Um... Lots of on your house lot in Mm -hmm. a trailer in a trailer. All of us kids and mom and dad, and that uniform shirt disappears, and my sister finds it like forty years later Mm -hmm. in a in a crate full of Halloween costumes. She says, "Hey, here's here's Tommy's little league shirt." So it. When it hangs, it, it reminds me of so much more than Little League. It reminds me of a, a, a time that changed my life. Yeah, the, the stories you talk about, John, what's going on, mm-hmm. you're getting out, your father says, let's get out of here, mm-hmm. fans on the, you know, saying, okay, this is going on, this is going on. You know, that is a chapter in the book. You know, there's the pre-chapter, there's then the, the you know, what's happening, the flood, but then the stories start with people rescuing, people doing sandbags. Mm-hmm. I mean, but then afterwards, those chapters of how people then survived or mm-hmm. rebuilt or what happened afterwards, those those are very interesting stories. How do you find a 40-year-old Halloween jersey? Right? Uh, yeah, it was... An, don't it was the Red Sox wear Halloween jerseys? Anyway? <laughs> I don't know, but, so, but it did change my life, and I went on to, to get married and raise three daughters, and I taught them that material goods mean nothing. If there's ever an emergency, you get out with your own. You know what I mean? And in 2011, I think it might have been marked, the the terrible flooding in Bloomsburg. Mm -hmm. Um, My daughter was playing soccer for Bloomsburg University, and the university sent the team down into the city to help clean up. Down into the town, I mean, I'm sorry, to do cleanup. And she was down there watching people take out their wedding albums and their photo albums and and just throwing them on the curb because they were destroyed. She called me on her cell phone and she said, Dad, I finally get it. I get it, sure. Dad. And so, yeah, it lives on. 50 years later, um, we still talk about it. John? Thanks, Mark. Uh, I'm. This is an open invitation to all our listeners. At 7 o'clock tonight, I'm going to go down to the Fabra Dam and take a um, trip up memory lane. I'm going to walk up the levee to see the spot where I took this picture. And I've been doing that in recent years in late June and this year, I thought since it's today's the 50th anniversary, I'd invite anybody who wants to come. No speeches necessarily, but just just an old-fashioned happening, and it'll be fun. The weather's supposed to be good. No rain in the forecast. <laughs> no rain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, things have changed. All right, Than, you stand by. I want to get an additional remark from you. We've got Than Mitchell on the line, a WKOK broadcaster from 1972. And uh, Tom Morgan is here, our 94KX air person. Just a, a super guy that he grew up to be. But when he was 12, he was uh, helping the family clean up and rebuild. Well, I guess you really didn't have to clean up per se. Just get get 
get a, home, a new home started and, and go from there. And John Moore is here, Daily Item uh, legacy uh, author as well, history buff. So, uh, boy, this is your time, John. So enjoy this week because you're, uh, all this is coming back. And I know you're memorizing all of this. Anything you hear today is going to pop up in a speech, a book, or remarks in the future at some of the events that he uh, shares his knowledge. We'll be right back. We're going to get some additional recollections. We'll start out with Than. Uh, an additional anecdote or story. You want to tell us one more thing before we let you go this morning? Just kind of an amusing thing and one that's upsetting. Uh, first amusing thing was, I believe the station manager was Bob Williams at the time. Oh, you heard his voice on tape. He had a very deep voice. I may be wrong about that, but that's what I remember. He was so tired that he went downstairs from the second floor uh, studio of WKOK to the driveway that comes off Front Street, got in the car, and went to sleep to try to get a little bit of sleep. Well, somebody upstairs in the station didn't realize this, saw somebody sleeping in the car downstairs, called the police, and the police came down and woke up Bob, which was a very bad thing. And yeah, he was the grumpy. Other, <laughs> the other side of that is uh, what we haven't mentioned yet is that a whole lot of people died. It was a huge death toll. I mean, not thousands, not hundreds, but five in this community and one over here. And that, I think, is up and down both sides of the Susquehanna. Most of the people trying to rescue somebody and failing. And right. But we got to remember that not only houses, Tom, right. which is a terrible setback, but also many lives. Yeah, 50 people died in Pennsylvania and about a dozen of them in this broad region, if you if you count us, uh, Snyder Union, or and Montour, and Columbia counties, including the ones that John recounted. Dan, thank you so much for the recollections and the information and all you've done in your great career. Feel free to uh, call in and set us straight again anytime. We, we're glad to talk to you today. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, I'm looking down at the new bridge that Ted was talking about. I can see it fully from here. And uh, the flood is not going to reach that or we'll be in big trouble. Yeah, if it gets there, it's all is lost. All right, thank you so much. Dan Mitchell of Winfield, a legacy radio man, career broadcaster, and lives in the floodplain in Winfield. So in 2011, he had to move stuff to the second floor. And I believe the first floor got water and his recollections of uh, Agnes. Tom? an additional remark. What else you got to add today? I guess if I could uh, mimic Than and say one bad thing and one good thing. One bad thing is I had to live on Red Cross shelter food for months and so I'll never touch apple juice again. (laughs) I have not had the taste of apple juice in my mouth since 1972. But I guess the good thing that comes from it uh, is the fact that, um, and I did teach my kids this, if your house burns down, your family is the only one that feels the pain in rebuilding. But when something terrible like this happens, the whole community suffered the same thing. So in the Wyoming Valley, where I think we had 26 lives lost, 
Um, in the whole Wyoming Valley, it was a radio announcer who started the phrase, the valley with the heart. And everybody just helped everybody, Up people there. you didn't even know. And that was like a real good feeling. We were all in it together. Well, I saw David DeCosmo uh, recounting how a dozen radio stations simulcast because they could stay on that way. Yeah, and David DeCosmo, I got to work with him years later uh, in the late 70s. And what a great man. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you for your mm-hmm. recollections and bringing this up. I know it's a, it's an emotional time for a lot of folks, uh, mm-hmm. your, yourself included. John, an additional remark, if you would, please. Sure. Um, <clears throat> on Thursday, uh, June 22nd, the word was that the water is coming up on the, the dikes if the number five whistle blows, in other words, five blasts, that means the dike broke. I was on Packer Street looking for a high spot to park my car. There was a group of five or six children walking along. They were carrying suitcases and green garbage bags. And I assumed they had clothing in the green garbage bags. And suddenly, uh, uh, the number five whistle blew and people were saying, the dike broke, the dike broke. And these children, they just started to cry. They were just terrified. They started to cry. On uh, Saturday morning, I called Michael Mark, who was a hydrologist with the National Weather Service in Harrisburg, and he said that we were reaching, about to reach the crest. I asked him how much higher the river was going to come up, and he said inches. He said less than a foot. And then he added that Sunbury was regarded at that moment, as the most critical spot on the entire river. And at about 12.15, we have the paper in high gear. We're really putting the the finishing touches on it. And a, a, a man comes into the paper, very excited. A soldier had just told him, meaning a National Guardsman, that the dike was breaking in the north end of town. Everybody should run to high ground, and he was panicky. Mm-hmm. And nerve is jangling. I, and I'm reading from a, a, a report I wrote at the time. I called the police, who said that the report was false. And so we all stayed at the newspaper and put out the Saturday edition. Well, and I remember if uh, I've, I've been in emergency ma- management scenarios that are either drills or the real thing, and they set up the emergency operations center, and rumor control is a separate kiosk and a desk and a person and a group and a phone line, and it's it's a big part of, of what happens these days with a proper emergency response. Well, John, thank you so much for all you've done and, and uh, really making sure that all history, that which you've lived and that which you've researched, gets written down and talked about and brought up because it's it's really enriched us. So we're really grateful for your work. Thank you, Mark. And I've been teasing my wife that we should have a, a late afternoon picnic today to celebrate. <laughs> yeah, and the, the, the dessert's going to be watermelon. Okay. <laughs> How about that? Right. Mm, to be Tom's going to have some apple juice, I guess. <laughs> no, thanks, di- <laughs> John's disinvited from future events, but he's <laughs> welcome other But time. you are having your Thank picture you, tomorrow, right, though, right? Thank you. All right, we're going to take Take a quick break. We're going to return with a segment of Open Phones when we return. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake. A service technician who really knows what he's doing, they can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. 
That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark, 1-800-795-9565. I want to tell you about the Sunbury Motor Company. That's our sponsor. they got three addresses for you to remember. One is North 4th Street in Sunbury. Just go down to Jefferson in Washington. You can save a few Lincolns. Mm -hmm. And you can go to Runyon Road on Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, or you can go to this address, www.sunburymotors.com. That's where you can build a Ford, Hyundai, or Kia to your Precise specifications. You can check out their pre-owned vehicles. They got a wide range of photographs of each and every one of them. Uh, you can make an appointment at the Quick Lane, or you can make an appointment at the Body Shop, or the Alignment Shop, or the Car Wash Shop, or any of their great shops, or the Parts Shop, and go down there and get super yeah. served by the Sunbury Motor Company as they've been doing for more than a century. And if you're ever in Center County around State College and you want to go do a roar at Line Country Kia. They'll accept you there also. Yep, and it's a great opportunity for folks to save a lot of money and enjoy super service from the Sunbury Motor Company, sunburymotors.com. All right, we're going to open up the phones. Eric, uh, you are on the line. Go right ahead. Good morning. Yeah, we hear a lot about Sunbury, which had the wall, but unfortunately on our side of the river, we didn't. Uh, we had a little bit of the railroad tracks was raised up. But uh, luckily down here in Port Treverton, they had constructed 1115. When they did, they elevated it and filled in the canal. So we were largely protected, except we had a trailer court, which was right along the river. And I remember my father and my uncle, who operated a John Deere dealership, actually took some new tractors and had to haul out, I don't know, 20 mobile homes to over the other side of the 15 uh, to save their their property. And the other thing is, uh, Seals Grove in the, all of Snyder County was cut off from any kind of hospital care. And I believe either between one and three babies were actually born at the uh, hospital at the Seals Grove Center. At that time, it was called Seals Grove State School and Hospital. And it was a small hospital unit there. And that was the only hospital available while the flood waters were high. And actually, I think we're, I think three children born during that time when essentially we were cut off from all the other hospitals around. All right. Thank you so much. One of our listeners says, uh, on this day in 1970, I worked for Buffalo Valley Telephone Company in Lewisburg. I was a switchman in the central office. And by this time tomorrow, we had 14,000 phone lines underwater. And mm-hmm. they, they don't work when, when that happens. Another listener sends us a note, says, uh, in 1972, I lived in Sealands Grove Junction. And I remember being stranded. But there were trailers and campers being smashed against the railroad bridge, says Bob. 
And you heard this sound Sounds of things go, hitting the, yeah, the bridge. Yeah, Junction <laughs> near Petticoat. Uh, that's <laughs> near where the railroad bridge crosses. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, little, I remember one of the things. I remember I had just uh, just arrived uh, a week or two before. We're playing little league baseball. I think I uh, living in Florida. Came up visiting my grandparents. Uh, we were. Uh, I remember down a hall putting items. Uh, a grandfather a company called Pencil and Construction. They're low boys. Uh, they were down on the island. LB Water had an 18-foot uh, truck that uh, you, you could put items on. We were trying to get people's appliances out, doing what you could. The water was coming up to the old hookies at the Isle of Q Bridge, Water Street, Seals Grove. Um, and, and, you know, the Isle of Q is not really an island. It's a peninsula, but it starts up at the Green Bridge north of Seals Grove up in that area. But, no, Mark, you could hear the trees and debris hitting the railroad bridge as you could in Sunbury and on Blue Hill up at the old Reading Railroad Bridge. But down in Seals Grove, you could just hear the the devastation uh, and, the, and the bridge held up, uh, but you, you just just the debris running running down through. And remember too, that's in the same era that the marina was. I think the ribbon cutting for the Shiklum uh, Marina was. Uh, a couple done, of years so, earlier, yeah. or no, a couple of weeks earlier, okay. I believe. So, you know, you, you think of, uh, but the debris that that was coming down from the uh, Wilkesbury Scranton area on that east on the uh, north north branch. Now, remember the west branch we just talked about. Milton suffered, Lewisburg suffered. So when Agnes, when it when it sort of just stopped, it was the west branch and the north branch of the Susquehanna River and the tributaries, and then it just funneled. Right to Northumberland. Joe, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in from Shemokin. Sunbury. Oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, you're right. Absolutely. Thank you. I can't read my screen okay. here. Sorry. No big deal. Uh, so the fans' uh, story about the helicopter ride, uh, the the uh, Vietnam veteran was Steve Brumgard. Ah, good. Thank you. He'll appreciate that memory. Yeah, uh, thank you. Quickly, uh, I had very little contact with uh, practically not the flooding, but... Uh, the neighborhood kids jumped as many we could get in the car and went to a high place and looked at the river and uh, with binoculars and such we could see uh, the up river from or we were down river but the uh, trailer courts from up there you could see in real time which you see on TV but we've seen it in real time them going under the bridge and uh, coming out on oh. the other side and in pieces it was uh, Something to see live, but uh, that, that's about it for me. Uh, with All right. Well, thank the, you so uh, much for checking in. Flood. Really appreciate it. We'll take more remembrances. Call us 1-800-795-9565. Jim from Shamoka. Now we got the right town. Jim, uh, you're on yeah. the mark. Mark, I have a question for you. Uh, I try to listen to your show every morning, you and Joe, and that. What does the Alacu stand for? It's a peninsula created by the relocation of Penn's Creek. There's a section of Sealance Grove that's now isolated from the mainland. But it's not a true isle, an no. island, because it's not isolated. It's uh, just uh, separated. So if you imagine if you put a creek down 2nd Street in Sunbury or down Sunbury Street in Shemokin, suddenly, right. suddenly the thin side becomes the isle and the other side becomes the mainland. But it's not a true island per se. It's a peninsula created by the redirection of Penn's Creek back in the 1830s. Mark, and you think Ford would try to put a solar panel on top of these new electric vehicles 
to uh, let the sun charge the batteries. Uh, some have it, some don't. I, yeah. I haven't seen that on a Ford. That's a good idea, but uh, yes, some Teslas have it, and then they do gather some sun while they're well. Anytime they're out mm-hmm. in the sun. Yep. All right, thank you, Jim. Mark, I have one more question for you. Yep, good. How's this new gun law going to uh, work out? Because all <laughs> I I've owned uh, revolvers since Sheriff Flower was in uh, uh, office. And I got my permit for fifty cents. All right. Well, and we'll talk that, about that Monday. And he That's used a good to let question. Me shoot his revolver. The way things are going, Monday that'll be signed. Then we'll talk about mm-hmm. the implications. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for checking okay. in. Okay. All right, and uh, Joseph, last. Oh, go ahead. At least it wasn't Marshall oh, yeah. Dillon. Yeah. All right, go ahead, Joseph. Hello. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's good to hear from Dan Mitchell. I haven't heard him for a while. Yep. He's anyway, out. always uh, li- always listening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember in the 72 flood, now I wasn't personally affected by it, but I lived close to Laurel Run. I was high and dry. Like you say, people would come down to the creek and watch it. It was kind of exciting. It was very exciting, you know what I mean? Uh, when you're not personally affected by it, okay? But I remember that evening uh, when I went to bed. I had prayed before I went to bed, and then I went to bed, and uh, I wasn't thinking much about the flood. And the spirit of Yahweh came upon me to pray. And so I got up, I went out and walked, kneeled down by the porch, and it was pouring down so loud on the porch roof that if you were inside the house with me, you could have to raise your voice to hear one another. I mean, it was just just coming down in buckets. And and as I prayed, I didn't know what to pray for, but I began to pray, and then I realized that, hey, people are suffering. And, of course, it wasn't affecting me, and so I prayed. I said, Father, I said, there are a lot of people are really suffering, and I prayed you would stop this, you know, raining. And it, the instant that word came out of my mouth, it was like someone shut off a spigot. Not that you turn it off, but it was like a lever, and it just shut off, just like that. Crazy. And I know a lot of people were praying. I understand that. Yep. But it, it scared me. I mean, it, it made my hair stand up on the back of my neck. And uh, but it was it's a horrendous time for a lot of people. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. That, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, we had really just devastating flooding but, in Milton uh, and Sealands Grove yeah, at Danville. You were high school. I was twelve school, at the time. High school. Yeah. We lived on Chester Street in Sunbury. We were protected by the flood wall, but we mm-hmm. went down to the wall a couple times to see that. Eventually, Sunbury was evacuated, but my father and I stayed in the house. We put uh, we had a seventeen foot Grumman canoe. We put it in the living room, full mm-hmm. of a few things that it would be able to float up uh, when the waters came. But of course, as you know, the water never did come. So well, uh, I think we, when we helped out in a wide range, and my father was an insurance broker, and he had a half a dozen oh, flood insurance boy. policies at the time. Well, you, you think of you know, the people who were doing that, but but also look at uh, what we call the EMTs now. So you talk about the KOK radio station, Than and Spangler, you know, the names you just run out, John Moore and the staff at the Daily Item, but, you know, look at the fire police, look at the uh, firefighters, the, the police departments, you know, the, those folks went for two or three days. I mean, they, I mean, if they got an hour or two of sleep, if they could get a something hot besides coffee, but what you know, again, the valley pulls together, and you see what happens. All right. Well, thank you for coming in. Thanks for adding your two cents, and thank you everybody for their time and attention and their recollections. All very much appreciated. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury.